Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. Hey there, leaders, and welcome back to another episode of Leaders of B2B. Today, super excited to have Martin Twellmeyer on the show of Optizely. And uh, really yeah, excited to, to dive in on this journey. When I when I came across what they were doing, I was personally intrigued and interested. So, uh, Martin, I'm I'm super excited to have you on the show here today. Jake, thank you very much, uh, and and thanks for having me. Yeah. So I like to kind of just start off by just getting you know uh, for anyone in the audience who doesn't know who you are or what Optizely is, can you give us kind of that uh, quick ninety second overview of what you guys do as a company? Sure. Yeah, well, as, as you said, uh, Martin, um, uh, one of the two founders of Optilize, we, we are um, a direct mail automation company. And with direct mail, I really mean physical mailings, uh, letters and postcards. Um, we integrate into the leading marketing automation systems out there, like Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Emarges or HubSpot, um, and enable our customers to run direct mail alongside their digital channels. So you can run um, a customer journey, um, including uh, email, uh, display marketing, but also direct mail, which is often still the channel that they spend uh, most of their money on in, in, in their CRM, um, but they ha- are not running it alongside those channels. So um, they're not uh, increasing or optimizing their ROI. Uh, and we enable uh, them to do this with Optilize. Nice. And so if I understand that correctly, basically, you know, within Salesforce, within HubSpot, um, these companies, just like they would send, you know, another email based on, say, like a trigger or an action that the customer does, you guys basically integrate into those, but you're going to actually send a physical piece of mail um, when one of those triggers happens. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, Yes, Jake. So you can integrate or you can activate us within Salesforce Marketing Cloud in three clicks and basically three clicks. There's no IT guy necessary. And what you do with an Optilize is you um, upload a, a certain visual for, for a design that you want to send and you define whenever you want to send it, let's say 500, 5,000. Um, and then within your customer journey, you just connect it and uh, the data is running through from, from Salesforce directly to Optilize. And whenever that trigger is being met, the direct mail is being sent out um, and, and through our um uh, printer network. It's amazing. And if I recall correctly, so you said you guys are pretty much the only player in Europe that is doing this right now. Is that right? Yeah, uh, it's quite surprising. But um, well, our only competitor is a product of the German Postal Service. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's okay. It's um, they're around. They have a, they have uh, cool features and so on. But 
they're still a product of the German Postal Service. Um, and apart from that, there's quite a, a lot of players in the in the U.S. market around. But when when we started, um, we we didn't know any of those and um, basically found our own way um, uh, building Optilize. Um, and these days, um, we cover basically all the European market uh, when it comes to mailings. Uh, are mostly active in, in the German-speaking area, but also in the UK. The competition we face today is rather, say, the old world of um, printers and of agencies that still want to run direct mail with SFTP servers and CSV files. That uh, doesn't sound too exciting to a customer. <laughs> now, did you just say FTP servers? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man, I haven't heard the, that in don't, years. Don't forget the S-Secure FTP server. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that has been a while. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's incredible, and, and I'm curious. You know, you guys being the only player here, like, how did you guys stumble into this, or how? Where did this company? How did you guys choose to start this? Yeah, um, so so my co-founder Rob and me, we actually um, know each other from university, and and we we first had a company, um, Rocket Internet, back in 2014, must have been, and um, we actually had a city-based model. Uh, basically, um, direct um, um, self-storage, on-demand self-storage, and we're active in quite a few cities. And um, we realized um, that online marketing is not any uh, everything. And we spent more than 50% of our monthly marketing budget on offline marketing channels. So when we started off uh, with Optilize after after Rocket, um, we first started off as an offline marketing booking and analytics platform because we felt like this channel is not or those channels in general are not being optimized or run the right way and uh, we realized back at Rocket that you, know, you can use and apply the same measures and the th- same methodologies to 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 the offline marketing channels like A-B testing and so on um, and said hey let's build a company around that. We obviously started off with that and then um, it took us around two years to say, okay, that's 100% what we want to do. And that was then direct mail automation. So all the other um, offline channels we, we thought about initially, we, we let them go and we focused 100% on direct mail because I mentioned SFTP and uh, CSV. So it's still an old school channel. Um, it's, it's within the top three marketing channels when it comes to money spent annually. And it's just not automated in any way. So we felt like here's the biggest opportunity and it was a lot easier to focus on one channel um, only. So um, that's how we ended up uh, basically getting to the idea of Optilize and direct mail automation. Nice. That's incredible. And and I'm curious, so then what did that actual journey look like in terms of um, getting that started and going now? Because it seems like you've got a pretty good sized team of 37 people. And now I see from LinkedIn and um, so what has that journey actually been like? Um, and like, did you guys raise capital, bootstrap this? What, what did that all look like? So, yeah, we did raise uh, capital um, all, all, all the time, basically. And I'd say it was a very hard journey um, because I think one thing I've learned is offline and, and also direct mail is not a very sexy channel. Uh, first of all, people will always ask you, you really mean direct mail? You mean really physical mailings? Yes, I mean physical mailings. And I have to admit, I think uh, these days it's quite an exciting thing. And and I think times have also changed. If you talk to people these days and you say you're in direct mail automation, most of the people will say, oh, direct mail automation. 
three years ago, everyone will have asked you, what, what do you mean? What is direct mail automation? So times have really changed. So when we started this five and a, year, a half years ago, we raised capital from, from, from Venture Capital Fund, um, who believed in the story back then, um, and a few angels. Um, and then it, it took us time to understand what the relevant channels are. We had great network in, in, in e-commerce um, in, in, in Berlin. Um, so that really helped us. I'd say if, if we would have stuck with the initial um, business model, we would be dead right now. So we really needed to understand where is the opportunity here and kind of, I wouldn't really call it pivot, but yeah, we found the right channel within the offline marketing mix. And first we started out with, with direct mail as one of the channels we were, we were um, running. Um, and then we got in contact with two other Berlin founders who, who were founding a, a CDP customer data platform. And, and they asked us, hey, there is this US model. Can't you um, integrate in the same way? We would like to automate direct mail. We're like, yeah, obviously we can automate direct mail. And uh, we all already have an API. It's just internal. We can make uh, externalize it for you and we can automate it. So we, we integrated into those guys first. And, and then that's where it basically started. Then we got in contact with Emarsis. Um, they had and actually integrated with the German Postal Service and realized that customers were not too happy. That journey led us to becoming Emarsis direct mail powered by Optilize. Emarsis was recently sold to SAP, so also quite a nice push for us and became one of the top three, top five partners at Emarsis. Um, and, and then, then basically um, got in contact with Salesforce um, these days, one, one of our main, main partners. So, well, we're now around for nearly six years, and the first three years really took us to to figure out where the big opportunity is. And I think even when we would have known from the start that direct mail automation is what we want to do, we would not have ended up where we are today because we are relying on some trends in the market that really drive our business. And, and the two main things are definitely marketing automation and the rise of marketing automation. And I must admit the German market and, and German players are just a bit slower in this than maybe in the US or the UK. So players like Emarsis, players like Salesforce pushing into the German market quite aggressively, winning customers and enabling customer journeys and, and, and marketing automation in general. And we are part of that journey. So that needed to happen. And that really only got a lot of traction within the last three years. And the tech, second thing for us that was very important was improvements in digital print um, because obviously we are driving today things like personalization and individualization so we rely on the data that a marketing automation system has so you know jake you might have bought red shoes so the recommendation my uh, engine might say in email already um, let's recommend red trousers red shirt uh, red shirt etc so for me everything in blue etc this information that you're already using for, for email, you now want to bring this into direct mail as well, but you need the right print methodology. And um, in digital print, there has really been a breakthrough in the last two to three years, which has decreased prices a lot, but also um, enabled um, or increased quality. And that was two major trends that needed to happen um, in order to really drive the optimized growth. And now I think COVID is, is really um, helping us in many ways as well, because um, people appreciate stuff that's in the, in the mailbox, but also many players that have not really been too digital in the past are now going through a mindset change and really saying, okay, 
it's now or never. We need to change things. We need to think more digital. And um, that's really something we see in the industry and that is currently helping us a lot. So I see a bright uh, future after COVID. Yeah, that makes sense. So one thing I'm interested in is you talk just about all these kind of, I guess, advancements in technology, these ability to kind of, you know, do customizations and print something different for someone based off of that. One thing I'm curious about is um, with your company, like how much of it is like technology and the integrations with Salesforce and how much of your company is just raw, like printing logistics? Um, I mean, like, you know, where does that line like blur? Because I could see this being like a simple solution on the front end and then you've got a team of people just delivering on the back end. Or is it like there's software connecting the whole thing through and like a magical thing that just like goes to the post? Like, well, what does that look like? Yeah, that's, that's a very, 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 very good question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And obviously, there is also some vision behind um, what, where we're going. But um, in general, so the good thing is we have a print network across Europe, um, printing in, in, in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Netherlands, UK already locally. And then we are delivering to 25 countries. So we're not printing ourselves. We're just making jokes about Klaus, the guy in the cellar. We don't even have a seller in the building, but that's the guy we, we joke about that is basically, ah, yeah, if, if a customer asks for, ah, can you print one more, please, for me? I want to have this for whatever reason. We're like, ah, yeah, let's send Klaus to the seller because obviously it doesn't work because those machines, they can print hundreds and thousands, but printing one is often very expensive. So we have a print network in Germany. We actually have um, six print partners already because of the size that we have, but also because of the different products you're offering. And that's also a huge part of our value add. Nevertheless, yes, there is still an operational part on our end um, that we need to do checks, um, process the campaigns and so on. But out of the 35-ish people that we have, it's, it's uh, three people in the operations team. And one is more on the strategic end. So yes, um, there is still manual work involved, but for auto, fully automated jobs, we have a huge fashion retailer in the, in the German market and we manage basically to build the entire process between Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Optilize, and the print partner uh, as a fully no, full no-touch process. So we don't touch anything. Yes, there is sometimes a, a reprogramming whenever they change a the design. But in general, this is running 100% automatically from Salesforce to the print machine uh, a few times a month. And that is definitely something we want to go, uh, go to for, for all the jobs. Um, we still have uh, have stuff that needs to be done manually um, for certain markets and you won't be able to do it for all because I think people underestimate the complexity of, of direct mail because every postal service is different. Every postal service requirement is different. Addresses need to be optimized for every market. So obviously for my number five, six, seven market, I might not have postage optimization yet. So, but that's a, that's a nice thing. I think about this channel, I know all of this stuff, but I, I don't want my customer to know all of this. And you were you were comparing us to email, and that's also what we see as our big brother, basically, because it, at some point in time, we want to cut, offer customers a, a process and a, a way of working that is as simple as uh, email. And they don't need to know any of this. We need to know it, and we need to manage that complexity, but for the customers, it should be as simple as possible. Yeah. That's incredible. And that's, that's super cool to see. Realize I didn't realize you guys actually didn't own your own print facility. So it's all kind of done through partners. So you guys really are just technology. And then I guess the services to coordinate with those 
variety of different partners and everything. And so has that been, I guess, what has been the, uh, maybe can you share more just about the building those partnerships? Because I imagine that's something you couldn't just go walk into any print shop and just start or making orders and stuff. And like, you've got to pick the right ones and build the right relationships or workflows. So how, how, how did that go about building those partnerships? It's exactly the way you, you describe it. Um, and when we started off, people, people in the market were laughing about us. Very simple. Yeah. 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 We are the big printers. We only take customers from, you know, we don't print anything less than hundred thousand pieces. Who are you optimized out of Berlin? I don't actually want to talk to you. We had printers talking to us that way. It's, by the way, the printer that is begging most at the moment to become an Optilize partner. So, um, so yes, um, you, you had those. You, you had those that really, until today, don't really understand what we're doing. But and we didn't stick with every print partner. We also grew out of some partners, but. There were a few partners that we acquired early on that we are still stuck with um, that um, believed in our vision quite early. And one is basically out of the nowhere in Germany, close to the French border. But the salesperson, and she's actually working for us today. It just came, came along that she's like such an amazing person. So she came from the old school printing industry and, and, and changed sites and, and joined us. Um, but she believed in us from, from day one and said, hey, that's an amazing thing that you're doing. And honestly, in year one, our revenues with them were quite a joke. And they were still fine and still doing a lot for us. And these days, we just had a discussion with them yesterday. They now based um, an investment decision um, that they made on, on the growth that we're taking with them, which is quite a nice situation. And I really like building win-win partnerships. So it doesn't really make sense just putting pressure on people and, and on partners because at the end um, it's all, it's not an easy industry. Uh, margins are very thin. Many printers are dying, but if you're in the wrong space and if you're investing smartly into the right technologies, you can still have a quite a nice, um, quite a nice business. And that's why, you know, both sides should profit from each other. And um, we, we started out, you know, outreach to, hundreds of printers and not many got back got back to us and then negotiated prices and some dropped, dropped out quite quickly because they said we don't believe in what you're doing and some worked for us with a few months and then said you're not bringing enough business and so on uh, but you sometimes also need to believe in your your vision and and where you're going and as an example i talked about digital print the the, the opposite is offset print and or Litho in, 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 in UK as well. Um, and in uh, 2018, less than 10% uh, of our mailings were digital print. Last year, it was 85%. So obviously, a digital printer that we acquired in 2018 was not very happy with us because we didn't <laughs> get many jobs. Uh, and there was no, and why should I program something for Optilize? Because, you know, the jobs are not coming and others mm. just believed in, in the story and stayed with us and they're now very happy about it and we're very happy about it um, ourselves. So um, uh, I think uh, you just need to stick to what you you, you believe and um, at the end, well, you should be right as well, but now it's materializing and the partners are very happy with the partnerships. Nice. That makes sense. That's uh, It's always interesting to see that uh, flip around whenever someone who barely paid attention at the start and now you're they're you're one of their biggest customers and it's a cool journey to have with a partner, I imagine. Another question I have is, I guess, is so like, who are the customers that you're typically working with? I know you said it's, you know, decent sized orders. 
you guys have minimums, you're not doing just anything small. So I'm curious, like, you know, who are the types of customers that are mostly integrating with you guys on this? In general, you need to have addresses. So there's two drivers um, for a business to have addresses. One is obviously you have an e-commerce business and the other is you have a loyalty program. Um, otherwise, you know, you won't have addresses like the big supermarkets around. Uh, you go in, you go out, and if you don't have a loyalty program, there's no address behind it. So the easiest thing for us to enter, and we had quite, quite a great, uh, good network when we started out in Berlin, um, are obviously the e-commerce businesses of the world, HelloFresh and so on. But then we we grew further into into retail in general. So these days, and it's obviously not the harder, uh, to, to the easiest doing um, during COVID times, but um, fashion retailers are one of our main main customer groups these days um, and then everything else in, in retail that that makes sense and and then over time we've grown uh, now into into banking and into insurance at the end you always need to ask yourself and utility is also something very interesting because if you have addresses the next thing is do you have a recurring business somehow do you have a use case that makes sense um, to automate at some point in time and if you have if you have cases like uh, second order push, reactivation, churn prevention. Um, so things that, you know, take um, take place on a recurring basis. And it's the same for tele telecommunications. People quit their contracts. You want to re-win them again. You want to, you know, push, um, rather prevent the churn that they quit. So you make them an offer and so on. So the logic is always the same. So these are the kind of customers. And these days we focus on um, companies that, should at least have 250,000 contacts in the database because what you do with Optilize is you automate and you run cross-channel marketing and cross-channel marketing, you know, you, you're running email marketing, you're running display, you have um, direct mail at the site. If you have something like 50,000 addresses, it just gets difficult to run regular cases and, um, and really run um, direct mail alongside other uh, channels. So um, yes, we, we still have customers in between uh, 100 and 250K, but our real focus these days is, is on 250K plus. Okay, amazing. And, um, and I'm curious, you know, what, what has been most effective for you guys with acquiring these customers? Because I know you've got some, uh, you've had some really massive growth and I'm, I'm curious, you know, what has been the biggest drivers for your growth? So I think the main driver overall is our partnership network. Um, and to really explain to our customers, uh, sorry, to our partners, what the value add is. And for some that was obviously obvious and was quite, in, quite, quite, quite easy to understand and also to, tr to bring this into the partner network, like Salesforce, they are, 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 are an organization built on partnerships. And for them, they are selling Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Now, um, you sell, let's assume, to a fashion retailer, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, let's say, costs half a million, million per year um, for, for a large player. And then you pay a seven-digit amount to, um, to integrate this with an agency. And then now um, the, the, the head of CRM or the CMO says, hey, what about this direct mail channel? We're paying 10, 15, 20 million euros a year on that channel. Can't we, can't we manage that through Salesforce? Because I want to use the same data. So it's an easy one for, for Salesforce to say, yeah, obviously we have this partner Optilize here and you can integrate that. And in some cases, um, this even means for the partner that they can upsell their database. So they normally monetize on how many uh, data sets or, or how much data is in the, uh, in the database. And 
if you run this basically on, on email marketing, you have opt-in rates between 5 and 15%, let's say. Um, you suddenly say, okay, um, this customer normally, and we have one case where the customer actually has 12 million contacts overall, but they just have 1 million in the Salesforce database um, because that's the amount of opt-ins they have. So there is now an opportunity um, for the partner to upsell um, this database and basically increase their own share. Uh, and, and that really is an obvious case. And you can really, because if you look at kind of customer journeys and marketing automation, email marketing is an easy case. Email marketing is where it all starts. And we believe in a marketing mix. I would never tell you stop uh, email and please do more direct mail. That's nonsense. Look at the marketing mix, look at ROI, look at what the way is how you can reactivate a customer. And if you can't reach the person via email, you can maybe reach the person via direct mail. So there is an easy value add that you can sell as such a partner and say, hey, look at the, uh, at the marketing mix and the combination of channels that you can bring. We have a lot of use cases and, and case studies with customers where the combination worked out, where you send an email announcing a direct mail. The email alone didn't work that well. The direct mail alone didn't work that well, but the combination of the two increased ROI by 120%. So there is obviously a cross-channel effect that you can generate. And that if you can transport to, that to a partner, you basically generate, you, you build a deal pipeline. And then other stuff we did, um, we talked before shortly about what you're doing and obviously email marketing, cold emailing, um, LinkedIn outreach, et cetera. Um, and in pre-COVID times, we also did a lot of um, um, trade fairs and, and very targeted, so three, four a year, but really the ones that went after di uh, digital marketing. So we never went to in any offline trade fair or, or direct mail trade fair, but we only looked at the digi digital events because we see ourselves as a dig digital tool. Nice. That's incredible. And so it's very cool to see that it's, it sounds like it's really been the partnerships has been like one of the biggest drivers for you. and you said trade shows as well, I guess, um, in those tools, but it sounds like for you, if you get the right partners in place, they bring uh, a lot of customers. And so it seems like that's been much more the focus than direct sales. Is that right? Well, yeah, we do direct sales, obviously, at a later stage. But you first, um, if you have um, a partner intro, the sale is a lot easier. Because, you know, if you have one of those partners, HubSpot, Emars, Salesforce, whatever else is out there, and they say, hey, that's our trusted partner. The, 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 we've, we've analyzed our data ourselves and seen that closing times are a lot shorter, but also um, probabilities uh, significantly increase um, and it makes our life a lot easier. So yes, we do the direct sales part afterwards, but the, at least uh, they don't do our sales ourselves. So we still need to do that, that part though. Yeah. One thing I'm always curious about when talking with European companies is how do you guys approach direct sales now with GDPR in place? Um, I guess, like, is it just like you're reliant on LinkedIn and direct mail, but you can't cold email anymore? Or how do you think about that as a company? Let's talk about theory and let's talk about <laughs> practice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Of course, we're not sending out emails. <laughs> no, you, you still need to do it. Yeah. It's, um, I think GDPR hasn't really changed it that much. But um, it was always illegal um, in Germany anyways. Mm -hmm. We call it gray zone, but I would call it illegal. But the fines are okay. -ish. You pay in, in like every 
10,000, 20,000, 50,000 uh, emails, you might pay 300 euros. All right. And honestly, that's worth the risk. Yeah. Okay. So it's something here where I guess you're just being conscious not to blatantly spam people, but you're exactly. still using it, yeah. a cold email as yeah. a channel, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And you, you try to personalize this in a way that you're not, as you're saying, yeah, not spamming people. We're not sending to everyone in the uh, marketing uh, organization and maybe by accident even outside the marketing organization, but we're trying to be targeted and, and, and not too spammy. It's even personalized in a way that, you know, addressing certain segments or so that, you know, you can always say, hey, this was kind of a personalized email. It was not a one of those um, Eastern Europe tries to sell technology uh, outsourcing or India tries to sell outsourcing emails. But, you know, we're trying to be personalized in a way. Okay, so, that makes sense. That's always always interesting to hear. It's such an important channel still. Um, when we started with it five years ago, um, it was not that common in, in, in uh, Europe and Germany. Um, so we, we had amazing conversion rates. Um, that's gone down, obviously, because these days it's uh, far more obvious. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so I guess what do you see is then, I guess, kind of the future for your company and um, where you guys are trying to kind of go and take this. It seems like you've come a long way. So I'm curious what your thoughts are for the future. Yeah. So I think one thing we talked about, so you can, so first of all, it's internationalization. So this is definitely, we want to be, become the, 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 the absolutely leading player in this direct mail automation field um, in uh, the European market, expand to UK, probably Netherlands, France at some point in time. We already do all the operational parts. So for us, it's quite easy to say, hey, you can now send it. We need to localize maybe um, uh, some things, but overall we can all already do the print in those countries. So that's an easy one for us, but still you need to roll out the sales um, part to those countries. So internationalization and becoming the leading European tool in this market is definitely um, what we want to achieve in the next three years. And then when looking at customers, what do we want to be for the customer? Um, is being their trusted tool and in some way advisor when it comes to direct mail, because we're just scratching on the surface of performance in direct mail and some part of the direct mail market. So the obvious thing, if, 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 if I talk to people is always what direct mail is still around. Yes, obviously direct mail is still around. And I don't say that all of direct mail makes sense. Like catalogs and mass catalogs are certainly not what you want to do in the future. Also, you have 1 million people in your, in your database sending four times a year, 1 million letters with no personalization in, uh, as in the past also doesn't make sense anymore. But targeted, segmented, personalized mailings, and I talk about simple formats. Um, yes, you might in some cases send crazy stuff, but send letters, send postcards, send postcards in an envelope, send simple things and bridge the gap between online and offline or offline and online that way and get the people back into the store, get them back to the website. You don't need to have the catalog that they see everything. So really being the trusted um, partner for those, for our customers out there to increase performance and really drive future of this channel and how to run this channel in a way that it's still around in 10, 15, 20 years. And then third, I'd say um, on an operational end, fully automating uh, a majority of the processes, because I still feel that there's a lot of things that 
You can decrease prices by automation because people need to be involved less manually. You can also decrease the, the errors that or incidents that are happening because someone matches a file wrongly at some point in time. Um, and you can um, be a lot faster. So getting to basically uh, data coming in until 12, still putting it into the mail or delivering it to the postal service provider same day, things like that. I think you can still be a lot faster and improve that operational process a lot. Um, and, and there's other additional services that I, um, we're already um, trying out and I think you can fully automate. So cleaning addresses and so on to really have a, an experience that someone would expect from email marketing also in the direct mail space. Yeah, I love that. That's a, it's cool to see your vision and where you're going with it. And um, yeah, it's just exciting to see you guys becoming like a leading company in a, in, a, in a niche here in Europe. So very, very exciting to see where you guys are going on the journey. Well, one of the last questions I always like to ask before we wrap up here is if you could go back five to 10 years in your entrepreneurial journey, uh, what is one you know piece of advice you would give your younger self? Ooh, that's a very good question. So initially, I, I was not an entrepreneur, but I was in consulting and I was in private equity. And um, first thing is definitely that I, I would do it earlier. Um, I think some of the experience was valuable. Um, and I would, for me personally, I think it was it was helpful that, that I had started out with um, with other things before, but still um, probably try it out earlier, dare more and um, uh, be more aggressive. What would I do? Um, or would I, would I say myself? I think we made a lot of mistakes on the way and I think you need to make them to, to be, become a better person. But I think, yeah, the main point would have been to jump in into the experience a lot earlier. Um, you make mistakes anyways. If you make them with a lot of experience or without it, um, these days after five and a half years and another time and another year before that, I still make them. So whenever you make them, um, yeah, pr probably they are more earlier and then be you know, more riskful, take more risk earlier. Um, as I first needed to become that person to really, you know, risk person. Um, I'm, I was really, really risk averse saying, okay, I can't become a founder and what, how does it work and so on to really try it out. Um, it doesn't hurt. Um, I think what we did is, not over theoretically start, but say, okay, let's start it. And then we pivoted on the way. And I think that's something that works out uh, as well. And you can make the mistakes on the way. Uh, so do it earlier. I love it. Great advice. Great. Well, Martin, for anyone out there who wants to learn more about you or the company online, what's the best place to go to find you and uh, what you guys are doing? Yeah, I think uh, optilize, O-P-T-I-L-Y-Z.com. Um, check out our website, lots of webinars with our partners. Um, additional knowledge and, and additional stuff. We're also very active on LinkedIn, uh, frequently posting there. You can also uh, see all our um, um, uh, upcoming webinars, etc. cetera, uh, there. But you can also find me on LinkedIn. That's the uh, place where you can uh, follow me um, uh, best, um, where, where I'm posting most about uh, the future of marketing automation in general, because I, I see ourselves as part of a bigger movement um, and the future of marketing is automation. Great. Uh, phenomenal. Well, thank you again for taking the time to come on here, Martin. This was great. Thank you very much, Jake. And uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.